Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're bouncing back. We're bouncing here we back go. here. We here got to go. go through. Um, Harris and I are on the show today, live from Ball Arena, where game two of the NBA Finals occurred. We're going to share our perspective. We're going to get some hangover takes. And then, I don't know about you, fellas, but I got a chance to rewatch. I got a chance to go through. Wow. Um, did you sleep? Uh, I did sleep. Wow. I Look did sleep. Um, but we're going to go through all of the updated takes from game two of the finals today. And I think we're going to have more than enough to talk about. To help me with it is Brendan Vote. What's up, fellas? Happy to be here as always. Ready to turn it back on. Got a good night's sleep. Slept in the office. <laughs> Feeling Wait, good. Really? Yeah, for a long time. Is, <laughs> that, a long time. is that is that part of the night's sleep? Or is that yeah, no, I just woke up, separate, made yeah. it to the office, went right back to sleep. Pounding his fifth energy drink of the day. Just so true. One after the other. Damn. Over here, I got D-line. Yeah, man, uh, I did not. <laughs> that was the lowest energy. That was a rough start. It's like when you start your car, it's like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. That was that was D-line. Yeah, man, uh, I uh, I didn't sleep that good. Um, I went out with Australians again. Wow, that's tough. I would say that my world's been torn uh, down, or up under, yeah, almost from down under. Andy. Almost <laughs> stuck it under. I couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't do it. <laughs> Over there, I got Harrison oh my win. God. I feel lucky not being at the, being at the game last night. That meant I didn't go out with the Australians. Yeah. <laughs> the Australians whose culture is sports and drinking. Shoeies, yeah. And I maybe in the reverse order. Yeah, did you do any shoeies last night? No, but I did get into appropriate like uh, competition phase with the Australians. <laughs> they're very like they brought it out. They're sport oriented. Yeah. Everything is a competition. I got called the c word a lot. Uh, the C next Tuesday. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. A lot of times. And then I stepped up and I hit a bullseye with a dart and I was like... Wait, you were playing darts while drunk at like 2 a.m.? <laughs> I'm so glad I went home. With Australians? <laughs> What's not clear about this picture? <laughs> oh, that's it hilarious. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get into some Nuggets stuff here because it was, um, you know... What about I, Harrison? I already introduced him. Oh, you him. did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's on me. I think you were taking another nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to say, so I hadn't been to a game this playoffs, and it really was nice going to it and being at the arena for a wide variety of reasons, just part of it just talking to different people. And it's one of the things I miss most about being there is just talking to the different media members and front office people and different things. And just, you know, that's really the value of it more than anything else, I honestly feel, is the the conversation so that was great but seeing the crowd man i have to give a huge shout out to denver you guys have underplayed this that crowd is ready man 
you know. Just verbatim what I've said. Well, you didn't say it the way I did. Yeah. Did you see the inflection I used you're when right. I said it? You're That's right. The thing That's the you're lacking, man. I'll take notes. So, yeah. So, the, this crowd, I mean, I just was so impressed with all the theatrics that go into everything and all of that and all of the moments. Like that second quarter run, the crowd was 50% of that run. I really mean it. The De- Denver played some great defense, but I mean, Jeff Green hit a three. You know, there was a couple like shots that you were like, Aaron Gordon hit a three. And Again, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek about this, but it was just one of those ones where I knew they were going in because the spirit of the game and the spirit of the crowd where you're like, oh, Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon are totally going to make threes if they're open right now. You know what I mean? Well, I think you're glossing over the biggest part of the run. It was <laughs> when Christian Brown insult each other came into everyone. the game. I mean, the run started when Christian Brown had two steals in like his first nope. two minutes. And... He picked the crowd up. Nothing gets the ball arena crowd going like a Christian Brown hustle play. <laughs> I mean, we know that at this point in the season. Um, Wind does, does, does this in a way that makes me not want to root for Christian I know Brown. <laughs> I mean, I'm not wrong, though. Like, You're not that, wrong. That's when the run started. Uh, he changed the game. I, I thought the game was over after that run. And um, I agree. The crowd was awesome. Um, I got chills like right before the game started. I've gotten chills and goosebumps before games one and two have started just the intros just (laughs) the feel of the final seeing the final script with the larry ob and nuggets right next to it um it's there's nothing like it there's really nothing like it the playoffs have been awesome but it hasn't come close to just the feeling you get before a finals game Mm. and to that point you know what really stood out to me because there's been sellouts before like a saturday game is going to be a sellout right Walking from the to the perch, it was like walking through the DNBR bar, and I yeah. was just like, "How are there this many people on the concourse? They're not allowing more people into the arena." But yet, walking through it, I was just like, "This is a lot of people," and it was just all Nuggets energy. You know what I mean? Like it was all upbeat people, upbeat Nuggets stuff, and that's why losing that game feels kind of dispiriting in a, in a lot of ways because of just how perfect I feel the crowd portion and the home court portion of it. You know, they they brought it. Yeah. Um, you know, Denver, and we get into some of the stuff, like I want to talk about big picture things here first. Um, Miami is just really tough. I respect the hell out of this team. I really love them. They play connected basketball. They play team basketball and they just, they don't break. And one of the questions I had coming into this playoffs was which team is tougher? Cause I think Denver plays connected. I think Denver, uh, has toughness to them. Early returns on that favor Miami, I think decidedly not like oh, a knockout punch by any means. I think Denver now has a chance to be the tougher team in game three, right? They have a chance to respond. But that's one thing I will say is that that Miami team took knockout punches and didn't die. And it's just like when the, I was sitting next to a handful of other media members and when Denver made that second quarter run, the consensus was this is over. Yep. This Denver team is something special. Man. How, how do you do this? And it was like even before the half they snapped back. You know, that was the second quarter, even before the half. And I just have to tip my hat because the way they do it is just to never... They have Jokic energy. You're up 20, you're down 20. You kind of play the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And that that's one of the things that stood out to me is this team is a zombie team. They don't die. You have to just keep, keep shooting until the clock runs out. Yeah. After game one, um, one of my big takeaways from just the tone and the feel around the heat was that they weren't even like that upset that they lost game one. Right. They were so confident coming off of game one. And I don't even think it was anything about how game one played out. I think they were just confident in themselves. 
that they were going to bounce back and they were going to be the tougher team and they were going to play better and win game two. Um, like that's just the sense I got from Miami after game one. And then what's a little concerning is that after game two, I felt like the Nuggets took that loss like really hard. Right. Like they were really upset and down after that loss last night in the locker yep. room. And it was such a contrast, I yep. feel like, to how Miami felt after game one. Yep. And maybe that's because like Miami's on the road and you just want to steal one and you have a little more pressure when you're playing at home and the higher seed to maintain that home court advantage. But um, Miami just has... Um, we, we've talked about the Nuggets even keel a mindset all season and all playoffs so they never get too high and too low. Miami is at a different level, I feel like. like They weren't even... Absolutely, are. they were. They weren't even thrown off a little by losing Game One. Like that did nothing to them. I think this is where Jimmy Butler's sort of leadership style, the bravado thing. Yeah. This is where it manifests, right? It, it's not. I'm gonna go shoot 55 times. He walks around with this smug confidence all the time, and I think it's for Caleb Martin and and Vincent and Duncan Robinson. It's but so real, though. That We talk about hallway famers. That's what you're talking about. That yeah. shirt, that look on his face like he's unbothered, that shirt yeah. that says three more that he brought to the that arena. That he brought, yeah. That's not, that's not I'm going to score 50 next game, and I know it. It's I believe in my team. That's it. Get behind me. We're good. And I think, obviously, the coaching staff gets a lot of credit, the players too, but this is what Jimmy does for the confidence. It lifts all tides around him. Yeah. What do you think of this, Eric, the idea that he's saying that here's the thing. Denver is tough, but they hadn't been punched in the mouth. Let's be honest. They won game the first two games in the round one. They won the first three, actually. Round two, they got the closest it got was 2-2, but you're coming home. They hadn't lost at home yet, then a sweep. Denver hadn't been hit in the mouth. This is the first time they had, and I don't want to read too much into this. Maybe guys really are just sick. That's a real storyline. You know, when guys play poorly and as poorly as Michael Porter did, you do wonder, is there something going around? But Porter and Gordon both left immediately after the game yesterday. Like, so did KCP. KCP as well. All three of those guys played horribly in this game and then left the arena early. This is the first time they were punched in the mouth. And the early returns, not saying it means everything, but the early returns are, oh, they're handling it differently than they've handled the successes. Well, I would say they got punched in the mouth in Phoenix. They got, you think? Yeah, I think that they got beat pretty good in both games in Phoenix. I agree. Um, hmm. They, got, I mean, they got historically shot against with Devin Booker. I mean, like they, 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 it hasn't been all smooth sailing. It's just been smooth sailing for a while now. And so they, I think if I can just imagine, I mean, I imagine they kind of forgot what it was like to actually struggle. And the fact that they were lost, <clears throat> it was very close, obviously, like a ball could have gone in at the, at the last second that prevented them from going to overtime. But like, I think that those guys, well, specifically MPJ and KCP, like, I understand why they're upset. Like, they got kind of exposed in a way that it was like, you guys weren't ready for this. Um, you weren't ready for the game. You weren't, like, ready to, you kind of had it on cruise control. And um, you guys both looked really bad in this game. And, and people are talking about it. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I think that, I mean, Miami is coming off of, like, just having to just, I mean, Miami's been getting bludgeoned and then winning, and then getting beat up again and then winning. It's like it's just the plan. Yeah, dude. Like they're they're used to this. They're used to this. The Nuggets. I mean, I, this is probably your you know your larger point is that 
Miami is in this place where they're ready to be in the mud all the time, no problem. Yep. The Nuggets are not quite in that mindset. But I would argue that the most important Nuggets are, that Murray and Jokic showed that they have no problem going to the mattresses yep. and they are they're going to match the I, I grittiness and the intensity. But like MPJ was like not ready <laughs> at all. And he had like horrible lapses out oh, there yeah. over and over. And like it was clear to everybody. So I get like why he just was like, I don't want to deal with this. I know what the problem is. Like I'll just if we see this pattern repeated, like I don't that to me that is shows mental weakness. But well I would I say get it. I would say in the immediate aftermath, I think Denver seemed bothered right they seemed frustrated and that's kind of what you're pointing out about the guys leaving and just you know this or that but the, the that doesn't mean that they won't bounce back now it's like hey now you have to lock in you have right. to be a lot more dive. i mean they were not locked in at all i do think one of the underrated storylines all of these things become cliche but one of them is did the team buy into their own hype maybe a little bit a little much did they kind of downshift into third gear thinking we know what to do against this team we got to hit shots and then we'll play good defense in the fourth and we'll win and it's like no man this is a team that gives you fifth gear energy all four quarters overtime double over like whatever it is they are always in fifth gear and even if you're more talented you have to match that and i just think denver maybe thought they didn't have to in game two a little bit i think there's a lot of that too and you know teams have done that in the past like i feel like that was something those warriors teams had to learn you know, they would get a little loose. Steph starts throwing it behind the back. It's yeah. like, you don't have to give up this 15-point lead that you work so hard to get. I do think Denver does that a little bit. Um, and I think it was so many wins in a row. And, yeah, the press was glowing for the first time, right, about the Denver right. Nuggets. This stuff can be a little easily overstated. It's got to lock back in here in Game 3. But I do think that that happened. Um, and I think it's – I don't – it's not good to have lost this game. It's the finals. You want to sweep. You want it to be done. It's good to win four games in a row. But they can come out of this. They can learn from this. They can be better in game three. You got to know why you lost these games, right? That's Malone's big thing. Uh, you want to see that figured out and cleaned up in game three. I always, I love making boxing comparisons to basketball. Just because I think boxing is like the purest sport. You know, it's like the original sport, just combat. But they remind me of, there's boxers that have a really strong jaw. And even if they are not as talented, it's like, well, I'm going to get 10 rounds. So not you're not going to knock me. You might beat me nine rounds, but you're not going to knock me out. And maybe I just catch you on one. And I feel like that's Miami. You're not going to knock them out. They just will not be knocked out. You're going to have to keep punching all the way until the buzzer goes. And if you didn't stop, you'll probably win. And maybe like Nate Diaz, I guess, in MMA, he was that guy. Like, you know, he's just a crazy, he could get bloody, he's all over the place, and then he grabs, gets an arm bar because he right. was tripped up for right. one second and he won despite losing every round. I, they're kind of like that, and I just have so much appreciation for him. But the last thing, and then we can go to break after this, but this is our first finals as media members. Absolutely exhausting. What did we do for all of our intro? Talked about sleeping, this or that, and it's mentally exhausting as well because it just keeps going and the intensity is there. And I have to imagine for these players, it's something similar. And when people say you don't know what it's like till you've been there, I imagine part of what they're doing. Like I can't explain it. I imagine part of what they're saying is this part of it. When you've been locked in and in pressure and all the media and distractions and everything else for essentially three months, it's exhausting. And I think that when we talk about fractures, this or that, I don't think those happened a month ago or two months ago. But when you've been through so many of them, it's just a little bit easier to be like, you know what, F you, man. Pass me the ball a little bit more. And those types of things start to creep in. Yeah. That's where you got to lean on your culture, though, because 
I mean, the heat should be exhausted from that same thing. It's not right. like the heat have ever been on this stage before. They were. What do you the, mean? Like Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, like they were in the finals, no? In the bubble. Oh, I mean, oh, oh that I was see. Completely I see. Okay. Different. Yeah, that's fair. You didn't have this media circus. You didn't have all well, these things. Let me say, you're right about you're 100 percent right about that part. But everybody said the bubble was the most like teams were just ready to get out of the bubble and it was easy to quit. And so they had, I think it was mentally exhausting to be in the jail that was. Yeah, Disney but I think World. it was a different, different, was different type of mental exhaustion. Um, I, I mean, the, the Nuggets, like, I, I think the Nuggets should be fine in that respect. Um, yeah. They were. The Heat were, were so exhausted in game one. That's the weirdest thing is that, like, in talking about these two games, it's like, oh, man, like, you know, the Heat really figured something out. They, they showed resolve, blah, 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 blah. But, like, Denver beat the hell out of them in game one. And we've only had two games. And they won by three points the second game. Like, I just, I feel like the... I don't think game two was as close as that, though. Like they were they were down twelve with that like was three a minutes. Point I mean, at the end of the day, they're an inch away from it. I don't think that you can discount. Both things are true. I don't yeah. think that you can discount the run that Denver made at the I end. Agree. Like, I agree. I agree. To me, it wasn't fluky. It was just it showed who Denver actually sure. is. They just unfortunately had that stretch in the middle of the fourth where they were like the heat. They kept it was a math problem. They kept getting three points, and the Nuggets would get two points, and then they they fouled a, a shooter. It was just like yeah. eight or nine of those in a row. I just think like. <laughs> I thought it was good that Miami bounced back and they played and Max Struess hit shots and like their players looked like they could play again. Um, but I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not like, oh man, that team's so much tougher than Denver. I'm like, I don't. I don't here's I don't here's really one thing it, to like, say: they shot 49 percent from three last game. Yes, which it, is it, insane. And it was also their fifth best shooting three point shooting game of this playoffs. Yep, they've been doing it. They've been doing it. They've so doing I, it. I'm not gonna just say they're going to miss shots, even if I don't think they're gonna have. <laughs> three more games of that. Right. They do. They they do have something about them that I just don't think. Everybody said this about Denver, man. Like, what did Minnesota say? Well, they won't shoot like that again. And then Suns, they won't but, shoot like that again. But Miami, it actually is who they are. But my thing is like they hit that and they won by three points. Right. And right. They, I actually am and, with you there. And yeah. MPJ shot has been shooting worse than we've seen him shoot that in might, a two three game stretch for his career. Like, and Jamal was bad. And like. All the Nuggets were bad. All the Nuggets are bad, except for <laughs> except for Jokic and Murray at the end. And yeah. they, it still was like like that. You know, it's like I, I think that we saw a big punch from Miami, and it wasn't that. It didn't. It didn't like really knock Denver back as much as it would maybe seem throughout the conversation. I well, agree. I agree with you about the margin for error for sure. I think Denver can beat Miami even if Miami shoots fifty percent. I agree. I agree. I think it's possible. But to your point, and Dan Devine said this the other day, who's been covering the Heat for this playoff run, you get in the first round, everyone says, man, we haven't seen the Bucks play that bad. You know, totally. they did, really did not play like themselves. And then you get the Knicks series, which was whatever. Then you get the Boston ones, like, man, Boston did not play like themselves in this. And now Denver, game one, did they play like themselves? No. Nope. Game two, did they play like themselves? No. They looked like There's Boston. Just something, I just give Miami a little credit. Denver can overcome it, because I truly believe Denver's the better team. But I just don't want to just get do the thing that other people do to Denver, which is say, oh, yeah, that just was, our team didn't well, show I, up. I, and this or that. It's like, I, no, man, they make you not show up. I, I, I agree with that premise. I just feel like the way that all of this goes, always with the series, and like the, probably what makes it so fun to follow is just the wild swings yep. of like, Denver is untouchable, can't be beaten. 
Miami is gritty and you can't you can't <laughs> yeah, stop. Yeah. It's like all right, like calm down. These are two tough. No, but that, teams. but I think, I think they're actually true teams. though. Yeah. That's what's cool about it is it's actually mm. true. And who wins that battle is the one you know like. Denver can break through this defense, and if they do, I think the floodgates open. Let's get to more. So that was big picture stuff. Let's get into some more of the specifics about what Miami is doing and what Denver was doing in game two on the other side. Uh, when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They've been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. And you don't pay Baxton Shanker any money until they win your case. No upfront fees. We can't use the moisture. To speak with them about your case. No fees while they work on your case. They've won over $1 billion for their clients. Now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Englewood, and Fort Collins. Stop scooting to work. Baxton Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff members. Baxton Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases where you were not fault. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrian, trucks. They even help you if you're injured at work. Call them today. 303-222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bacchus and Shanker wins. Um, also, make sure to check out Manscaped, especially if you need a Father's Day gift. Uh, Father's Day is right around the corner, guys. If you haven't gotten your dad anything, may I suggest no. hooking him up with Manscaped? Yes, but then you can't have any further conversation with him about it. <laughs> Why don't you get him the Performance Package 4.0? He'll thank you later. Uh, the Performance Package 4.0 comes with the Lawnmower 4.0. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also comes with a 4000K LED spotlight. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. You also get the Weed Whacker 2.0, nose and ear hair trimmer, the best nose and hair trimmer on the market. Also a bunch of other goodies in that package as well. When you use the code DNVR with Manscaped, you get 20% off plus free shipping. That's at manscaped.com. So Father's Day is around the corner. If you need a gift, check out Manscaped. <laughs> But then don't talk to your dad. No, after. yeah, just be like, here's a gift uh, that you'll enjoy, and I don't ever want to hear. It came about from again. anonymous. I don't <laughs> even know who it came from. Twenty uh, percent really off, <laughs> plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR. All righty, back here, segment two. Let's get let's keep that one. Um, let's uh, let's talk about some adjustments from game two. Number Stagger. one. Sorry. No, 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 no. Things, things, that, things that already happened in, in game <laughs> oh, two. Okay. Uh, Kevin Love starting. Now, here's what you need to know, because Kevin Love was a massive positive in this game. He was a plus 18. That was second best on the team behind only Gabe Vincent. I actually think it's a very important shift, and here's it why. It allows Jimmy Butler to guard Jamal Murray. In the previous matchups, he had to be on Aaron Gordon, and in transition, we talked about all those Struess, Gabe Vincent, some of these other guys. They get bully balled, Caleb Martin. They get bully balled by Aaron Gordon. Well, now Kevin Love is big enough that that advantage is at least mitigated. I think Denver should and can exploit that more, but yeah. we'll talk about that later. But Jimmy Butler being able to say from the jump, I've got Murray, has twofold. Number one, he's a heck of a defender. Murray, I thought, was not great in this game offensively, made bad decisions offensively, the, and was more or less like the ball didn't get popping. People say turn Jokic into a scorer. I think what it more was was take away the pick and roll. Jokic, a lot of Jokic's passing comes from pick and roll. Starts there, rotations are going, and now Jokic is passing. 
I actually think they got into passing lanes on post-ups and everything else. The, the point is the defense wasn't in rotation. So to me, that's the first part. We'll stick to that. There's another part of the Jimmy Butler saga, but you know that is a great adjustment, not because Kevin Love's great, but because it freed up Butler. 100%. And it just changed the whole feel of the game from the jump. Because what happened at the start of game one? AG. They went to Aaron Gordon every single time, and he racked up 12 points in like the first five minutes of the game. Yeah. Aaron Gordon was like a non-factor in the first quarter. And it's weird because I feel like he can still dominate Kevin Love like one-on-one, but Denver just didn't look for him like they did in the first quarter of game one last night. But um, Yeah, yeah. But in transition, he wasn't open. And then a lot of this is, again, pick and roll. His guy has to play in between or step up. And Denver didn't get to that. They just didn't get to it. Yeah. So, I mean, that just changed the whole feel of it. And... um, yeah, it was a good adjustment. Yeah, I mean, I another thing we pointed out on the show last night it was that like it really just allowed the paint to be just completely packed on Miami's defensive end, where Aaron Gordon didn't have that room to drop, you know, just get drop offs from Jokic, and Jokic didn't have room to operate, and then it's like it started off the both teams in kind of opposite directions. The Nuggets were zero for like seven, their first seven because they were. Ended up taking kind of bad, weird shots. Oh, that start of the game, Denver decision-making was so bad. They did not adjust to that lineup very quickly at all. And to me, that's like really kind of what started. I mean, obviously, that that set the tone for the game. But it it just – and it wasn't even that Kevin Love was, you know, out-physicaling Aaron Gordon, it's just he's it just, just a, made a difference. He's just you know? a big guy. Like, yeah, he's just and he's just in there, and it's the, the you, you don't have room to operate, and it changed everything. And you're right, like the the Nuggets were not prepared for that for, for some reason. And then I would say Denver can smartly tried to go to a lot of five four pick and rolls. Mm. They went to it the first play of the game, and Jokic had that like layup. weird layup from the elbow that, that he took off from. So Denver, I think they ran it five times by my count. I might have missed one or two, and I think they only scored on it one time. And to me, like that's an action that should work. You're using four, three your three best shooters as floor spacers, so you're putting pressure on them in that way. And Kevin Love, we know this, is not a great pick-and-roll guy, and he's not a great switcher. Denver should be able to get, and Jokic in particular. I think the details of that 5-4 pick-and-roll were horrible. I thought the angles on the screen were horrible, and I think that they were it was ineffective in part because of the execution of it. So to me... I don't think that that's like the key to this is the 5-4 and how you attack it. But it is something that they they got away with the easy part, even though the easy part was the margins. They got away with it in this mm. game, and they have to take advantage of it. And Denver doesn't really do this because I think Denver trusts their offense so much. They focus on what they want to do more than what you are making them do. Yeah. You know, but could it be a 1-4 pick and roll and you're trying to get that switch, right? And then it's Jamal eating Kevin Love alive or AG's bringing the ball up more. Just little things you could try. There was that stretch of the game. Was it the third quarter where AG was kind of eating in the dunker spot a little bit? Uh, though he had some alley oop finishes. I don't know if Denver was able to get back. Whoa. Jesus Christ! You saw that? Another one that was right here, huh? That was like a cannonball. Um, that was a loud we, thunder. So, real question: Do we have to build an arc? <laughs> Denver does not rain like this. It's a desert. It's a high desert. It's been raining for a month. Will you collect two of each bird? <laughs> I will. I would gladly collect two <laughs> okay, of each good. bird. So anyway, yes, I agree that there are there are there are ways that they can look at that and attack it more than they did. And look, part of this too is Denver 
Everyone saw the same thing in game one. Miami was too small. That was not going to work. Denver forced an adjustment. Miami changed their starting lineup by game two. And it caught Denver off guard a little bit in the first five minutes of that game. So now the ball is in their court in terms of responding with toughness, but also adjustments. Right. So um, it was also just going bigger. I think Kevin Love grabbed 10 rebounds in that game. And that was the second highest rebound total of any play, of any heat, maybe any player. It's up there. Yeah. So that, that made a big difference as well. Um, and then the other part of that Butler adjustment or Kevin Love adjustment is that I highlighted this on the list for game one, but it was true of both teams in game two. Both teams have the same battle. And I actually asked Eric Spolster about it. How do you risk hunting matchups, mismatches, when you become mixed up in transition the other way if you don't score? Well, Jimmy Butler guarding Murray means that Murray is guarding Jimmy Butler more than he would like to in transition. Because if you miss, if you take a jump shot and you're the deepest guy back and Jimmy contests it, you have to sprint to beat Jimmy back, which means you have to match up with Jimmy. So I thought there was a lot of that as well. It wore Murray down yeah. that he would get in cross match, have to guard Butler and ISO just a lot. And it wasn't that Butler was scoring on him. It's just that it caused strain on the rest of the defense. Wearing Murray down has like been the, the theme of the playoffs. Like Every adjustment, d defensive adjustment on uh, Jamal Murray is like, Oh, there's a bigger guy on him now that's making him work, and now he's he's wearing down. Yeah, it's like I just over and over and over. That's just like what has happened every round. But then the Nuggets have overcome it. They figured out how to how to work with it. Here's the next one for you, and um, so the Jimmy Butler adjustment, or I guess it's really the Kevin Love adjustment, but it's Jimmy Butler that benefits. That's number one. Number two is, and this happened in the second half of Game One. Miami, usually you space the perimeter. You'll have like a guy in the corner, guy on the wing, guy on the top of the key, and a guy on the other wing, right? They started spreading the nearest guys out as far as they can. So that, and sometimes it was one on the left wing with the ball, and then the nearest guy would be all the way out on the, the farther side. That was like 30 feet away, meaning they're creating as much space because Denver likes to help over, shade over, and stunt on drives, in particular on Jimmy Butler. And if you're 15 feet away, Stunt seven feet and recover seven feet, yeah. right? It's not that hard. When it's 30 feet, I thought Denver overhelped so much off of those, and it's it led to a lot of like fake drives open. and wide open kickouts. Yes. And a lot of this is, for me, I think Denver needs to trust their perimeter defenders, namely Aaron Gordon Moore. He did get beat by Jimmy in some ways that I'm like, come on, man, you got to make a stop there. So he needs to be really be locked in as they go to Miami. But at the same time, Miami just, I don't know that they're going to beat Denver on two pointers one on one over and over and over again. Jimmy they are on kickouts. It. Jimmy knows it too. It's like yeah. they, that's what worked for Denver in game one. Right. They stayed home on the shooters and they were like, we know that Jimmy doesn't actually want to score 60. And but, then, but, but, but to your point, I just want to interrupt yeah, because yeah. to your point, they stayed home on shooters because Miami allowed them to I, by how they spaced the court. When Miami changed that, right. you realize they're not actually staying home on shooters. They're just now they have more room. I do think they need to stay home that, on shooters, though. That's what I was going to say is that I think Denver fell for it. Right. right? right. I think Denver yep. fell for it. And I actually thought that was Mike's biggest sort of mistake on defense. I, there were so many. He really wants to be this help defender, and he had some big moments in game one. Those Jimmy drives, Mike was like basically double teaming. You know? Yeah. It's like, man, that's. That's what they want you to do. So yeah, yeah. The, the Nuggets defense was just all over the place last night. I mean, that's ultimately why they lost. I think just oh for sure the lack was. of discipline, the miscommunication, the lack of focus defensively was so glaring. Yeah, and it happened like 
right to start the game. Like Max Struess had four three pointers. I think they were like egregious miscommunications yep. yeah. and breakdowns on all four of them yes. that led to him getting wide open. And um, that was just so surprising to see because the Nuggets all playoffs have been so locked in, you know, so focused. They've been paying attention to detail. They've been locked in on the game plan, tendencies, personnel. And yesterday they just relaxed, I feel like, and lost their focus and let it slip. And those plays that stood out, like Miami ran the exact same action two plays in a row in the second half. One time they got a Gabe Vincent wide open three out of it. One time they got a Duncan Robinson layup, and they kind of took advantage of yep. this Christian Brown, Bruce Brown miscommunication between those two. And um, that's why, like, last night was so jarring because the Nuggets have been so locked in all playoffs long. We haven't had to worry about that. <coughs> and last night we just saw some of the miscues that plagued them throughout the regular season creep back in. So you're we're talking about overhumping now. You're talking about the the switches, the rub actions, the off ball actions, the pin downs. The and I 100 percent agree. If I actually would said one reason they lost, it was that what yeah. you're referencing totally, right here. Totally, the blown off ball switches were laughably bad. But this is where I circle back to what I said about giving Miami credit. They run a very, very, very smart offense mm. and defense. But they put you in position to make mistakes. They bring up a lot of four-person ball action. So a lot of like, you think of like a double screen. They'll run a lot of three-person. Well, they'll run the two off-ball guys, a third guy up off of those off-ball, and then the two guys screen for the ball. So you're really involving four different screen coverages, like four guys in, in two different screen coverages. And it's tough, and it requires a lot of thought and a lot of reading. And I just think Denver, to your point, was on their heels. Like, they clearly were not locked in. But also... It's harder to guard this team at that. You have to be especially locked in for this team, more so than any of the other teams that they faced, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, well, Phoenix didn't really do any of this. You know, at Phoenix all, right. is just, at all. Oh, Kevin Durant, ISO. Okay, now Devin Booker, ISO. Yep, yep. The Lakers were just like such a mess by, by the end of that series. It was, it was different as well. I mean, Miami is so different than any team the Nuggets have faced in these playoffs. Well, and to your point, the Lakers and Wolves don't have the personnel. Like, yeah, they, yeah. The Miami has enough players that you're like, all right, there's three people and they can all score in the perimeter. So I got up, you know, this or that. Other teams, it's like, all right, I got Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I got this guy. We can slack off him. So I just, again, when we talk about being locked in, Denver can be locked better locked in just off of the guys that they played. But I do think that there is something to... They make it especially hard. They give you the big test in terms of are you focused on this one. And that's why I don't want to just brush aside, oh, they'll be more focused. It only gets more complicated right. from here. Yeah. And then you have those breakdowns, and then you've got guys bitching at each other, and then you've got guys getting pulled for their defense, and it puts Denver in a place where it hasn't been in the postseason so far. d I'm curious what you think of this one because I think that this Heat team is actually more like the Golden State Warriors of old than people realize. One, the three-point shooting, but two, because of how smart you have to be. One difference between Denver and Golden State, because Denver's offense has also broken teams, but it's a lot of like LeBron. What did he say afterwards? You just tip your hat because we did what we wanted and they'd make shots. The Warriors would get Steph Curry wide open. And you're like, how is the best shooter on the planet right. wide open? Yeah, precisely. And I think that's what the Heat do as well, where you're like, why is Max Struess wide open? Again, and that's why I give this team the mental tough thing, because those types of plays are the ones that get guys bitching at each other. 
And I think that's what that's a little bit. When I see guys leaving early, I'm like, yeah, that's they didn't just make shots. They made it where like that MFR didn't switch on this, and I'm mad. And yeah. that's the part where they get you. Definitely. I mean, definitely. The Nuggets found themselves in a position that they just were not accustomed to being in, which is just on their heels. Um, and I mean that it, yes, like, and especially for Michael Porter Jr., KCP, like these. You know, Michael Porter Jr. has been, has worked himself back to a place where we don't ever question his defense anymore. And like, he got like really badly exposed. So, right. But you're, I mean, it's just like all, yeah, it's just, this is, this is what, you know, everybody was saying is that, you know, when you have Eric Spolstra as your coach, there is an edge um, that revealed itself. It's like you really can scheme your way into an easier, time out on the basketball court if you're just being smart about it and they did and it and it worked and but it didn't work by a, a large margin <laughs> so yeah. oh again if, if this is basketball right like yeah. all these things happen and it's like yeah it came down to two possessions which, which is why by the way i think eric spolster hated that question so much it's just like yeah it like that's a principle of one of the many things we were trying to do right but a basketball game is so complicated of course. and Jokic is so great and like you think we just pushed the he's a scorer yeah, now that's so button true. that's not a thing there were a hundred things we tried to do 85 of them worked we got lucky in xyz you know and so it's that's that's what we do we distill the complicated things into talking points but for a guy like Spolstra He's like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. We turned him into a scorer. You're right. Whatever. Yeah, but it's like the Rui adjustment. It right. was a thing, but it also was, in my opinion, like the third most important Dude, thing, but I it was, was part of it. I was going to those Dar those Lakers practices, and Darvin Ham was like, no, that's not the answer. Right. It was one of 19 <laughs> things we're trying to do. That's like one thing, one punch yes. we threw. It's not our... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's take a break, though. There's more notes here from my notebooks that uh, we'll go over here in the third segment. Guys, Illegal Pete's, this episode of the DMVR Nuggets podcast brought to you by Illegal Pete's. Legal Pete's your go-to spot this summer. Are you ready for the longest happy hour around? Three to eight p.m. Oh every man, single day. You guys want to go hit up the patio right now? <laughs> oh, it is patio season. Patio still. season. It's patio yeah. season. It's raining really hard. Yeah, it's hurricane. Hurricane. Let's what point do does it. Does it stop becoming happy hour? I, so happy it, should, it should be happy hours. Yeah. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Three to eight p.m. every single day. Five happy hours. at all twelve illegal peace locations. Um, that's happy hour. The longest happy hour around. Great prices. Enjoy a few extra margaritas on the patio. Don't forget to stop by Illegal Pete's on Nuggets game days. Wear your Nuggets gear to any Illegal Pete's location and grab a house margarita or draft beer for free incredible. with the purchase of an adult entree. So uh, wear incredible. your favorite shirt designed by this guy. Hell yeah, dude. Walk into any Illegal Pete's. Benefit from Get it. a burrito. Get a free marg. Then go sit on the patio for happy hour. Like that sounds like a great afternoon. Just not that patio part today. <laughs> yeah, they have inside. You can go inside. Yeah, you don't. It doesn't. You happy have seats happy in there. hours can take place inside. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, also, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. If you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out the Breck Brew beer locator. That's on their website. All you have to do is go on there, put in your zip code. A bunch of different locations that sell Breck Brew pop up. It will tell you exactly where to go to get your favorites. Uh, if you're local, drop by the DNVR bar. We got tons of Breck Brew on tap. I mean, I don't know if we still do after last night. Like, we <laughs> might need to replenish a little bit. Um, but 
we got all your favorites here at the bar. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DMVR. All right, back here, segment three. We're going through some notebook notes on the game two loss from the Denver Nuggets. Real quick, guys, uh, housekeeping. Do us a favor. If you're on TikTok, check out our new TikTok channel, DNVR Clips. If you're on YouTube, also check out that channel, DNVR Clips. You're not going to want to miss it. We have some really cool stuff, so you never miss any of the great content. Maybe you missed a show. You're curious. Chris Dempsey, Liv Moods, uh, Bomani Jones. We've had a lot of cool people on the show over the last just, week or so. Just us. Just us. D-Line Co. <laughs> D-Line making jokes. They never know what you're going to find over there. So do us a favor, and just while you're listening to this, open that one up. Give it a little subscribe. We appreciate it. Um, another thing that was important about this one i want to get into some more details but one thing was this was a really bad game from kcp maybe the worst game of the playoffs for him namely because he had three shooting fouls two on a three on three pointers one yes. on a jumper and, and that, then he had he had the one on gabe vincent that was like almost called a three as well and they called it on the floor for two shots yeah 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 it, yeah yes it was really really bad some of the decision making he had in this one and i thought and this is why i say i give miami credit because somehow it happens to every team that plays them denver's been poised denver's been tough and yet last night veteran kcp was frustrated he was so clearly flustered by things and making bad decisions because of that frustration and so denver i think can be more disciplined i think they got caught off guard but to me it stands out that they lost by three KCP gave up like eight points just off of fouling jump shooters. Second game in a row where I thought KCP confused the opponent with the referees, you know? And mm -hmm. it's, it's not something he's done all year. Great point. And, yeah, he was involved in some of those miscommunications. He fouled three perimeter shooters. He was on the ground looking for calls. He put up that one wild two-pointer off the Jokic screen. Because he just thought he felt contact. Yeah, and he that just was threw it up there. And you rewatched that, and maybe there was contact, but it yeah, was but such it was light like, contact to throw up a terrible shot. And you so, better be certain you're getting the shot, the call, <laughs> if you're doing that. It was bizarre, man. Because I think these are just—he's been so trustworthy and airtight. And that was all right. Well, one of three from three again—that's one thing. But you still win that game if KCP is as a poised veteran. So this this is to your point, and I love that you keep making it because there are two teams in these finals. And as much as I think Denver is better than Milwaukee or Boston, Miami makes your composed players look un uncomposed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been a shocking development. Like, out of all the players that I felt would lose their cool potentially in the finals against the Heat, KCP would have been, like, not even close to being on that list. Right. Like, right. He's a guy you always know you can count on. He's got the championship pedigree. He's been in these situations before. But um, he has looked shook yeah. in these first two finals games. Getting into it with the refs, just like losing his cool, um, just really uncharacteristic plays from him. And um, it's been shocking. Like I said, like I did not think he would be the guy that we'd be talking about in, in this type of conversation. Man, he right. was, he's like the screens that are happening that he's involved in have been like really like violent. We, I mean, Bam out of bio screams have been like very questionable in a lot of cases and violent. And also, KCP is, has been trying to, like, his reaction was to try to embellish and kind of flop and yep. that put him in a weird place. And then he was like going underneath and then trying to recover really quickly and jumping out at guys and then landing in their, in their space. Like, it, he's been really, like, was really affected last night through screening yeah. in, in a way that I just, you don't normally see against it. And I don't know if it's like a, a, a 
a point of emphasis that they were trying to do that, but it like that My was maybe that was the thing that like re, like KCP. There were so many times where he was just like on the ground, like trying to sell a flop, yep. or he was yep. getting actually knocked down, yep. or um, and so they were playing very physically on him, and it 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 got him out of his rhythm. It got him out of his uh, his headspace. A hundred percent. Do we have it? Do we have it, Alyssa? Yeah, it's just a yeah. That that's all right. Well, that's all right. He's not a conspiracy. We have to go to conspiracy corner here. We have to go oh, to conspiracy yeah, yeah, yeah. corner for a second. Oh, goody. Um, <laughs> he was trying to draw a lot of fouls on illegal screens. Didn't get the call. Yeah, there was a couple. I never like to blame the official. I don't think the officials. You know, it's an act of God. Whatever. A couple like the, the goal, sure. the goaltend. You know, the, sure. the the miss that was like an obvious one. Butler stepping on the line on a huge kick out for a three pointer. That was a huge, huge shot. Then I find out today that old John, is it John Goebbels? Yeah, John man. Noble John, Goebel. John Noble Goebbels was a teammate of Udonis Haslam? Hold in on a school. second. That means he played sometime in the last 50 years. That is true. He did yeah, play not 50 on the years Miami ago. Heat not on the Miami Heat in college. In college. Um, wait a second. Yeah, what? This is a little strange. Yeah, this man. is actually bizarre. You don't listen. That's You don't get to oftentimes... Uh, like when there's a championship in college, they'll like bring in a different conferences officiating squad yeah. to, to keep and to mitigate things like this. That's wild. It's I mean, if you were on trial, D-line for a crime. When I'm on trial. When when you're on yeah, trial. When not, next time yeah, on next time you're when on trial. The last you were on trial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did the full circle. Hell yeah, I went. Uh, they would never let me be a juror. Because I would definitely make you guilty. Yes. Like, there's no way yeah. they would allow me to well, be on that. The, usually the victim of the crime is not on <laughs> You're the You're right. That's a good point. That's another good point. No, but, like, it's obviously a conflict of interest to <laughs> yes. say this person cannot make yes. impartial decisions that because did, they have a prior relationship. This is what we need to have in the NBA is that you get to do a jury selection. You get to do a referee selection, and then you have each side coming in and asking questions and throwing out. Oh, was it called voir dire? Voidier. They did that for referees. I would like, love oh. that. If we made it unofficial, the referees, we don't know who it is till tip off and well, seven referees come say, out. Each buddy gets to I will talk say to it was interesting <laughs> how NBA.com slash official always post the referee assignments at 7 a.m. before every single game. Really? There were no ref assignments posted yesterday morning. Man. That was interesting to me. I don't want to go down this road too far because it's uncomfortable. But I will say this. Why does the NBA do this? Why do they do Help that? yourselves. Just help yourselves. Why I do I not think... want to let us know John right. Noble Goble I don't was think it was a... on the assignment for game two. I don't think it was a conspiracy. It was too late. But I think there are refs out there that did not spend their entire lives in Miami. <laughs> I do think that. They could have just probably they found, one. Just found one. They could have found they one. They could have just found not... one. Yeah. I don't they, think it's they, Riley Laws. They can't find any that didn't uh, grow up outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, in, that's in, yeah, either Delco County or you were a teammate of one of the players in the <laughs> Those are your two choices. I'll take Delco. both corrupt. I'll take Delco. Thank you. Um, but there is all right. So that that was fun, and also like it actually is genuinely. It weird. probably whatever, just move on. actually was not a thing at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's move it's on anyway. But maybe about. one thing about Jimmy Butler guarding Murray. Murray has to be better, and he has to figure out how to crack the Jimmy Butler code. Jimmy Butler's so disciplined on defense. He's not even like blocking shots or getting steals on him as that much it's really just like taking away the process right and challenging and making him take bad shots and make bad decisions but one way to beat that murray is a three-point shooter jimmy butler guarding him means if he's off ball 
he has to be guarding. He's basically out of the play. He's just he's taken out. Denver doesn't have great secondary ball handlers, but I do wonder if there's more space in game three for Bruce Brown to be a creator and for KCP to be a creator. KCP actually had a really good pick and roll that was a set play for Denver late in the game where he ran the action, Murray off ball. He turns the corner, gets baseline, and makes a great play. I think it was for a dunk, for, for a wide-open dunk for Aaron Gordon. We don't see him as the playmaker very often, but Gabe Vincent's not going to be a stopper. You know, Struess <laughs> is definitely not going to be a stopper. And if those are the guys that are guarding you off ball, it might be worth saying just a couple times, like, hey, let's test how much Jimmy Butler's willing to go stand in the corner while the Nuggets run their offense elsewhere. I think that's one adjustment they can make in game uh, in game two. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when Gabe Vincent is just like out there trying to win an Oscar for best actor in a leading role because that, that's what he did. In <laughs> he, game there was two. a lot of flailing. Man, the one like, he drew on Joker that was, was like such embarrassing. A, oh, that it was, was embarrassing rough. for Heat culture. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> Gabe Vincent's not a good defender. KCP has the size and like KCP Struce can, is a terrible defender. Duncan can create. Robinson. I mean, I actually think Struce is capable. He's capable. I, I think he's a smart player. I, I don't think he screws up that much. But Gabe Vincent, yes, he's a guy the Nuggets should take advantage of. And KCP can. Like, we've seen KCP do that and, and run that pick-and-roll action with Joker and, and come off for that mid-range jumper so many times. Yeah. He's comfortable in that. Like, he can hit that shot. Yeah. Um, so that might be a, an adjustment, and that leads to the last one, which we should do in the final segment, which is... Denver has not made had to make a rotation adjustment in these playoffs yet. Not one. I think they might need to for this series. Voting was going to debate on the other side, the final <laughs> oh side of this god. one. Oh my god! I thought we were going to talk about if they made Nikola Jokic into a scorer. We can get into that. We should get it's part of it. We should get into it. Um, Shady Rays, guys, use the code DNVR for fifty percent off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. You can get that at ShadyRays.com. This is exclusively for our listeners our loyal DNVR listeners. ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by 250,000 people. Shady Rays, they're an independent sunglass company. They offer a world-class product. It's just as good as some of those expensive pairs that you've probably worn. Really durable frames, extremely clear optics, perfect for any occasion. Go to ShadyRays.com. They've got tons of different styles to pick from. Like, Whatever type of sunglass you're into, they've got it at Shady Rays. So ShadyRays.com, use the code DNVR for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try yourself the shades rated five stars by 250,000 people. Perfect. All right, back here. So the big question is, oh boy. very confusing defensive assignments for Denver because of how smart they are and how much action, how much off-ball action there is, a level of intensity that you need. Porter provides offense for Denver. Sometimes. I think, well, I mean, he provides spacing. Even when he doesn't make shots, he provides Fact. spacing, like no matter what, just being existing. So the question is, he's not making shots so far, and he's made in this last game a lot of mistakes. I was surprised that he played as much as he did. On, on his side, I know that sounds wild. He played like 28 minutes. 20, 26, 20, 26 minutes. Mm. And, you know, uh, Bruce Brown played 27, so about even. I would not be surprised, and this is not necessarily a knock on Porter as much as I hope I hope I'm wrong because I hope he just overcomes it because yeah. Denver is better with his offense on the court. But when I watch how confusing this assignment is defensively, I look at it and I go, I'm pretty confident Bruce is going to be good at this, and I'm pretty skeptical that Michael Porter is. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if this is a series, or maybe it's just a counter you make in game three, that you can slide those scales. Michael Porter comes out and knocks down all of his shots again and gets out of the slump he's in, then probably sure. it doesn't matter. It's like you're, you're just gaining extra points and even though you're losing some. But I do suspect that this might be one that it's you need all your best defenders, which includes, by the way, I think Christian Brown even has a big role in the series because he's big, he had a huge impact, and they just need defenders. You can trust Yoke to make enough offense. You can trust Murray and Jokic to make enough offense. Porter's a luxury. You need to get stops. And I just wonder if Bruce and Christian, but we'll say Bruce, maybe will get or I, I imagine Malone is prepared to play him thirty plus in game three oh, if Porter doesn't prepared. make 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 them make him. How do you feel about it? We've talked about this all year, or I have actually, that I view it very similar as the Jordan Poole to Gary Payton yeah. kind of switch up. Yeah. That ultimately won the Warriors a championship, right? And so I think there's something too as a game goes on making the live call that Bruce should be playing more. Um, I don't think you're suggesting this. You still got to start, Mike. I think you still start. I, I don't think I you don't, can change the starting You line. know, and I think you got to trust him a little bit, too. In game one, Mike did everything right despite not hitting his shots. Now, I know game two is different. Every game is different. And why game two is different matters, right? Specifically to what you're saying. But now Mike gets a couple of days, right, with the coaching staff to look at this. What went wrong? I do think in terms of pure effort, he's the one whose effort needs to be lifted up as well. He gets to sit with the coaches and say, this is why this doesn't work for you in game two. This is where you can be better. I just think this is a guy that just in game one, we saw his impact. Um, I have a little more trust in Mike than I think others do. Having said that, it is the finals. And I don't think there's any shame. It's a feature of your roster that you can put Bruce Brown in there. And I don't think there's any shame in leaning heavily on that. I it's don't. the ultimate test of ego. Yeah. That you get to this point and it's like, would you do anything to win, including not play? Or by the way, play a different by the minutes? way, I think he would too. Yeah. And that's honestly just the thing. Like, I think Miami is so good about this. Like their their culture really is the best because of that. Where Jimmy Butler leads somebody to gets 12 points or whatever. But Eric, here's my question. If we all kind of agree that you know, he might start but have a tight hook, like don't make mistakes. Does that mean he's going to be extra nervous about three-point shots, extra nervous about screwing up defensive assignments? Does that actually set him up to fail knowing, hey, man, we might have to make an adjustment, but you got one last chance? I mean, the man's not a rookie. He's been through this. This has Great. been what he's gone through the entire time so he's true. been in Denver. He's in, he's out. They trust him. They don't. Going down the stretch, they're not closing with him, blah, blah, blah. He stays ready. This is the saga of Michael Porter Jr. because his play isn't always consistent in the ways that you want it to be. And oftentimes, he gets exposed for mental portions of the game. And sometimes when you run into something that is indirect or just really takes advantage of the things he's not good at, like you, whatever, like, yeah, but I, he, you know, like he's been through this. He's been through, I, to me, it's like, I, you don't worry about any of that stuff anymore. You're not, you can at this stage, you yeah, have to do I mean, it. You're right. not losing worry the, about it. Yeah. I, I can't think about anything. I'm very tired, but like, I just, you just think about how at this point, like if they did make an adjustment and lost Michael Porter Jr. In as a result, it's like, you have to trade Michael Porter Jr. Right, right. If you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. right, right, if you're showing that, you, that, like, in the biggest moment, that we can't rely on you to stay present, right? 
that's more damning than any other thing that you can possibly show us on the basketball court. So I don't, I, I don't even think it's a consideration at this point. Like Michael Malone, his entire coaching philosophy is built on making guys feel like they are valued, not you know taking out vets too early because they'll he'll blah 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 blah. All that's out. Yeah. All of it, hundred percent. So they got to do it. They just got to they got to try it, and maybe it actually helps out Michael Porter Jr. Like taking away a lot of like the defensive pressure in big moments. And then he comes in and he just feels like he like, just go and let it fly. Like maybe that's helpful to him. So I, I don't think it's even a question. You got to do it. I mean, I don't think I would change up the rotation too much. Um, I mean, if Porter's not hitting his shots, then yeah, then you have to look to make some changes. I mean, he's three of 17 from three in these last two games, three of six, of 27 from three in his last three games. I'm sitting here wondering if he's hurt or sick because the only couple times this season where he's had like three games shooting this bad, he has been hurt or sick. That is true. So that's what I'm sitting here wondering. But um, I think you go into game three with a similar rotation that you had in games one and two, and you tweak it from there. Um, But I don't think it's... An exaggeration to say, like, this is the most important game Michael Porter Jr.'s career coming up in Game 3. This is an absolute legacy game for Michael Porter Jr. If he plays well, Nuggets are probably winning a championship. If he plays as poorly as he did last game, Denver might lose the finals. Like, I I feel like he is up top when you're talking about most important players in Game 3. And if the Nuggets have to go away from him, and like you said, D-Line, if they lose him because of that... And that's his problem. Like, not good. He, yeah, like he's got to be ready for that, and he's just got to come to play. And he is ready for that. He's been ready for it all year. That's the thing. His I think his whole Mal- career I, is. This. And he said that to Malone in Phoenix, right? I know the extent of what that conversation was. Maybe a bit fudged, but I did think they that, disagree with it. That was what it was. Well, he was point, like, that's not how I remember. Like, said, that's, that's not right. exactly <laughs> how it went. I love. I, Michael I love is the best. He I came love. to me and he said, "Coach, I want to not play. I don't even want to play." Like, I don't want to pregame that shoot around. I don't and he passed. I will say all of this though. Like we we do we all know this. Not lost on us. We do the show every day. We do the show after every game. We're reacting to game two, and after game two, it looks real real bad for Mike. What if Mike comes out in game three? He hits his threes. He looks great defensively. He has this figured out. And he comes through it on the other side, better prepared for finals, better prepared for the playoffs, a smarter, more composed player. Every step of the way, when we think he's hit the wall, he has found a way to break through. So, yeah, if you have to play Bruce Moore, you do it. I think Michael Porter Jr. was great in game one. A minus, I gave him, even though he didn't hit shots. I still have faith. I think he could be great in game three. So, bad game, man. Bad game all around. A little scary, specifically because... Is he, you know, in a basketball sense, is he quick enough to keep up with the, with the Heat in this series? But listen, man, he's not the first max contract player to go two for eight. I've watched Klay Thompson's career. Shit happens. Let's see if he bounces back yeah, in game three. Let's, let's see if he bounces back. Let's not forget the, the lesson of D'Angelo Russell, the max player that would then Here's what I guarantee you. The BJ not comparable to D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> I guarantee you the Heat right now, though, are saying... Oh, we've got Michael Porter Jr. Totally. totally. I mean, that's we, what they do, man. We, we've gotten to Michael. That's totally. what they do. I yeah. guarantee you, Jimmy Butler and like Gabe Vincent and Bam are just sitting around on couches, not on a podcast, but they're just talking. They're like, 
we got him. You totally. Know, he's done. Uh, you know, we, totally. we've taken care of that. Now we just have to get the Jamal and then, you know, we, we got the series. So good luck. That's that's, I think, where the Heat's head is at. Sure. And um, Porter has to understand it. Right. Because teams have gotten to Porter in previous playoff yep. series. And last Man, night, I, I mean, last night looked like, you know, Michael Porter against the Blazers three years ago in the playoffs. Right. Or Michael Porter against the Suns. Yep. And uh, that that is what's concerning. But but that player learned from those and got better, right? And so now they, it's the final, so they don't have a lot of time for this. And if they have to go to Bruce, you go to Bruce. But I just think that Michael Porter Jr. would not be here. And by here, I mean in the NBA, if he was not considerably more mentally tough than he is given credit for. And so let's see, man. You got challenged. You got pushed. A lot of guys are talented. They get to the NBA. It's not easy anymore. And they fold. I've seen Porter do the opposite of folding throughout his career. I want to see him play in game three. I'm excited now. You guys yeah. got me ready to and go. And just maybe hit Joker or Jamal if you have a contested jumper <laughs> sure, at the elbow yeah. and sure. they're wide open. That was a bad photo. It was a bad photo, but it happens, man. <laughs> it happens, man. I like You had me fired up too, Vote, because this really is sports. Oh. Like, And I'm not... I'm maybe less confident as you that sure. he was going to bounce back, but it is the cool thing about it is you start to see the like, hey, this is what it takes. This is what it takes. Nowhere you got to go do that. No, this is it. If you want to be that guy, you get through this obstacle. And I, yeah, man, and as it, a it's, team, as a team, it's as exciting, a, man. As a it's team, exciting. all the guys, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Murray, even Yoke, they all got to step up a little bit more. One last thing, the thing we talked about. Where can Porter can make more shots? This could have gone this way, that way. The biggest area of positive regression for Denver, I know Yoke was 16 of 28. He missed like seven shots that I'm like, how did he miss that? Well, Little they made post up a score. But yeah, yeah, post up on Kyle, uh, Cody Zeller in the second quarter where he just like misses the layup. And I was like, man, also, even those little margins for Yoke, I think, could be even better. He's getting fouled, man. All those little yeah. floaters, he's getting fouled <laughs> every Everyone, time. Noble Goebbels is officiating uh, game three again. Mr. Like, oh, Goble. what the hell? Right. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, well, I mean, I already live in Miami. Yeah, you know, right yeah. He's going back home. Yeah. Yeah. Hit that three. outro music for us, Alyssa. I'm I thought this was a good show. Home. It was a good show, boys. We got into a lot of good details. Um, you know what? I, I will say that throughout this run, there has been a sense of this was all easy. And I'm just kind of appreciative. Honestly, yes. I mean, this yes. uh, sincerely, I'm kind of appreciative of the fact that this one so far has not been. And, Me too. And, and there's something too, like, all right. <laughs> playoffs now have started in a way for the Nuggets right. and hopefully they can bounce <laughs> back although it could also it's kind of true though like they haven't what's the closest been 2-2 against my I just you said you were nervous for that one I wasn't because that one was for the oh for the Suns for the Suns one where I was just like they ran so hot they're tired but I mean we were they won the next I two games like they were points. nervous but we felt down yeah we felt down like that we feel like we felt then like we feel now but I, no 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 I feel different now because I think what they do is more sustainable like and I was like, come on, but he's got to miss a few more shots. To me, like, to me, like, that represented, like, the best game that Miami can offer. Like, maybe the, the one thing that you can have is Jimmy Butler goes off individually. He hasn't gone off yet. But I'm saying, like, but he, the, everything else was like, they hit the outside shots, they play in zone, they did da, 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 da. Like, that to me looks like the prototypical Miami Heat game that they've been successful with for this entire playoff run. And again, they got by by the absolute skin of their teeth. And the, the Nuggets, for whatever reason, um, and like you say, like this is a refrain that's been repeated by team after team. Like they didn't look like themselves, um, but I just I have so much faith in what Nikola Jokic is able to do. He's the most unflappable player in the league, maybe ever, or maybe the most unflappable human being in life. Um, Jamal Murray had 
a very rough start, a very strong finish. There's just the things where you're like, oh, okay, we kind of know what's gonna, what's gonna come now, what this feels like. Like, just take a breath. Like, hit one shot, Mike. Hit one three, and we're going. Or hit time. like seven or eight. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> like I, I don't, you know, like I. I got it, man. I got it. I but got just it. in general, like that, I, I, I just, I'm just the things I'm reading. I'm like, what are we talking about? Like, what in what in God's these like insane adjustments, all this stuff. Three fucking points, and the goddamn thing hit the back of the rim and almost went in. And the game that the Nuggets won, they beat the living fuck out of the Heat. And we've had two games. Okay. All right. That does it for today. That's, what, that's what's happened. <laughs> that That's what does it for today, guys. But guess what? We're back tomorrow. Continuing talking about the finals and previewing game three. We'll see you guys then. Let's go.